Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate Show. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show. Separating fact from fiction. We're going to repeal it and replace it, and and it'll be great health care for much less money. We can have the benefits that were promised to them without any change whatsoever. But if we keep kicking the can down the road, keep digging the hole deeper, burying that deficit more, that's much harder to keep that kind of a commitment. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Uh, Susan Tom from Kansas City, Missouri. Marsha from Pittsburgh. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. Thank you for joining us today and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States, 131 affiliates strong, thanks to all of you in our listening audience. We're doing a very special show today. We are at the State Financial Officers Foundation Fall Meeting in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. This place is truly amazing. I've looked at Coeur d'Alene a lot of times online. Uh, My wife and I thought about coming up here to visit. I was absolutely floored. It's more beautiful than anything you can imagine looking online. So we're fortunate to be here today at the State Financial Officers Foundation Fall Meeting. If you have questions today, I've got guests in studio. Very fortunate to have Derek Kreifels, the President, State Financial Officers Foundation, Ron Crane, State Treasurer for the State of Idaho, the new National Chair, and Allison Ball, State Treasurer uh, for the State of Kentucky, the new National Vice Chair. Welcome, one and all. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Thank you for taking Great the time to, to do this today. And, uh, you know, this isn't going to be about health care today, folks. We're going to step outside the box, as we do from time to time. How However, if you do have questions, I know that, you know, we're rolling into the Medicare season. We're also rolling into ACA open enrollment. A lot of you are getting renewals on your employer-sponsored health insurance programs. If you've got questions, as always, 877-385-2224. That's 877-385-2224. Good anywhere in the United States, including Guam. We actually do get phone calls from Guam from time to time. And you can always go to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. There's a lot of information up there. There are videos up there that you can look at. They're about a minute, sometimes a minute and a half long on different topics from self-funded plans, level premium, Medicare, you name it. They're up there. And you can always send me an email if you have a question. Um, I get about 220, 230 a day. I don't answer each one of them the same day, but uh, as you all know, I do answer each and every one of them. So welcome again, everyone. Thanks for being here today. So Derek, let's just start out with who is, who are the state financial officers and the state financial officer foundation here gathered in Coeur d'Alene today. Great. Absolutely. Thank you, Carrie, again, for having us on. Um, Happy to talk about the State Financial Officers Foundation. We're an organization of free market uh, state treasurers, state auditors, state controllers. So as we think about the people that are managing the state uh, cash flows, the state budgets, um, that are advocating for financial reforms in their states, um, these are the elected officials uh, across the United States who for uh, most part serve as the chief financial officers of their states. Um, This organization started five years ago out of a need to have an opportunity for these elected officials to gather, uh, we gather twice a year, to discuss some of the biggest financial challenges that our state and and frankly our nation is facing. Um, And we think that, that these free market conservative values that we discuss at these meetings are the ways to uh, out of, of financial bondage for a lot of our, our states. And so um, we share best practices, uh, share ideas, and we go back and encourage our, our financial officers, our state treasurers 
to really act as uh, policy advocates, even if it's an area that, that they may not statutorily be responsible for, that they can go back, uh, just like we, we visited about healthcare today. Um, a lot of them don't have direct uh, impact on their state health plans, but we want them to understand how healthcare in their states affect their bottom lines. It, it impacts them. Absolutely, absolutely. It affects them and it affects their taxpayers. And so our hope is that they can go back and act as advocates for sound financial policy. Allison, what are, you know, one of the things that I think is fascinating about this is I read the program is this is obviously a red state organization. I didn't see Illinois here. I didn't see the cartoon state here from California. Um, you know, I didn't see New York here or Vermont. So let's talk about some of those financial challenges and the free market applications. You're the state treasurer for the state of Kentucky. Um, what are some of those things? And, and, and how does this organization help you um, in forming ideas and policies you take back to your governor, to your legislator to get things put in place that you need to do? Sure. Well, you uh, just mentioned that you see mostly red states represented here, and that's correct. And I think uh, one of the explanations for that is the motto of the organization is look to the states. So, uh, you know, it has an emphasis on what can states do as opposed to the federal government and, and the right approach, uh, the way our system of government was set up, that the states are supposed to be uh, a primary source for responding to people. A lot of your uh, government should come from the state rather than the federal government. So, uh, so that's a reason why you have a lot of red state representation. Uh, in Kentucky, we have a lot of issues going on that are, that are important, that need changes, and most of them are financial. Uh, we're in a pension crisis in Kentucky. I was talking today on a panel about uh, our state of our pensions. Our largest pension is about 17% funded, and that's an optimistic look at it. Not 17% short, 17% funded. Funded, that is correct. Making it 83% short, if I did the math right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So um, Unbelievable. It that's is unbelievable. In private industry, if you do that, you'd be out of business. Absolutely. And uh, so my state of Kentucky, it's generally a conservative state, but it's been a state that has voted Democrat for a long time. So we've been reaping the consequences of following big government politicians, even though it's it tends to be a conservative state the way people believe. Uh, and that's why we have a pension crisis right now. Uh, we have other financial crises. But in the last two years, we've been electing conservatives in office, and the ship is starting to turn around. Uh, so for me, conservative in office, uh, I get a lot of benefit for coming to uh, an organization like SFOF because I get to talk to other conservatives and see what they're doing. Uh, and like Derek said, we share best practices. Uh, we have to think sometimes out of the box because we might be the only people uh, who are pursuing conservative principles that we can find. Uh, so we, we develop these ideas and implement them. But um, I want to also mention another major issue in Kentucky is uh, Medicaid expansion. You know, I know, I know. Which is a great topic for <laughs> Obamacare expansion, all the rest of it, yes. It is. Our previous governor uh, was kind of a poster boy for Medicaid expansion. He was one of the first to do it, and he did it by executive order, so he didn't even have buy-in from the state. But him doing that resulted in, and you're going to be surprised by this number, one-third of Kentuckians are on Medicaid. Sure. Yeah. I'm not actually I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surprised by it. It it it, it is um, sad. Um, and now you're confronted with what happens if you try to pull that back. Right. And and this is happening at the same time that we're having a pension crisis. So, uh, we've got two. Now, we two, have yeah. two. We have two. So, uh, this is a 
this is an important and in fact necessary time for conservatives to be in office because we're going to be the grown-ups in the room you know we're looking at the reality of the situation and uh, we're trying we're the ones who actually are trying to fix it instead of just kicking it down kicking the can down uh, as has been done in the past so Ron yes, uh, speaking of the grown-ups in the room when are we going to get some grown-ups to Washington DC well that's a very good question <laughs> especially <laughs> in light of what Allison just said whenever about we get Medicaid get, whenever we can get people like Allison Ball to move from the Treasurer's <laughs> office to Congress and, and, and do the U.S. Senate, we're going to be in good shape. By the way, welcome to Idaho, Kerry. We Thank are you. thrilled to, death to, to have, you, have you. Yeah. It's also a very red state. We're yes, about 80% uh, Republican in our legislature. Uh, so we enjoy the benefits of a balanced budget. We enjoy the benefits of a pension program that is ranked like third in the nation uh, by the rating agencies. Our funding liability is only about 15%. So Wow. Completely the opposite of what Allison, just a complete flip That's of correct. what Allison inherited That's correct. when they came into office with the governor and took over this program. Yours is completely opposite the other way. Give the Republicans a chance and we'll do a good job with your money. Because one of the things is we recognize whose money it really is. It doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to the people. We're just simply the custodians. And our job is to... i got to ask you, do you think that's... You know, I I told you guys today when I I spoke in front of the group, 49% of the people in this country think we should move to a single-payer system. Do you think people like... The majority of people in this country get that? I mean, th- that it is their money. It's not the government's money to start with. You certainly do if you're in private enterprise. You, sure you, know, do. you make payroll taxes and the other 27 taxes we pay, and you get it. But do you see that, either of you, do you see that filtering down to the, 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 comp, the, 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 the voter, the ordinary man and woman on the street? I can only speak for Idaho, and I can tell you that probably 60 to 70 percent of the people in Idaho understand that. But the problem is not Idaho. The problem is other no, states around, yeah. around <laughs> the country that uh, don't understand so, that. So you, you're from a state, Allison, where in the past you've had Democratic leadership, Democrat leadership. How does that reflect back to you when I ask that question? Right. Well, it's a good question. I don't. I think a, a lot of people get it, especially in my state, because uh, we've changed. <laughs> you know, we have a Republican governor now. Uh, we have two Republican senators. Our Almost our entire federal delegation are Republicans, and they're all people that have been very outspoken spoken, some extremely outspoken against um, against Obamacare and, and that type of mentality. So uh, I do think you see that people understand it because they're voting like they understand it. I think that, that that's interesting. I, that, uh, and that's encouraging for me to hear that because you see so much in the national media, Derek, you know, and, and, I, and hopefully that's the message that your organization is propelling forward uh, in terms of getting that out through these folks and your group to yeah. get that message back to people so they understand it. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to continue this fascinating conversation. We are here at the State Financial Officers Foundation in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, at the fall annual meeting. If you have questions, the phone lines are open. Uh, we are not taking calls on the air, but if we can help you with anything, 877-385-2224 or online at americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break with more and my guests here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find out more about us by going to our website, America's 
healthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question, send me an email. There are blogs up there on everything you can think of regarding health insurance. So if you're curious about Medicare, if you individual health insurance, maybe you're an employer, whatever the case may be, there's a lot of information there. And you can call 877-385-2224. Operators are standing by. They will take your call. We will get back to you after the broadcast. We're not taking calls on the air, but we'll be happy to contact you um, after the show is over today. So we are in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho at the State Financial Officers Fall meeting. Uh, having a great time here. Uh, in studio with me, Derek Kreifels, the president, Ron Crane, state treasurer for the state of Idaho, new national chair, Allison Ball, state treasurer, the state of Kentucky, the national vice chair. They are kind enough to join me today as we talk about a whole host of issues centering around what's going on in the states and how are these folks dealing with the financial issues that states have to deal with, which are very similar to what we see on the national level, but they're handled a lot differently. So, Allison, let's talk about this. You, you, you mentioned this pension thing is interesting because, you know, we hear about the Illinois pension crisis. You know, California is, is a uh, explosion waiting to happen in my mind. They keep glossing over this and raising taxes and, as you said earlier, kicking the can down the road. And their crisis is going to be bigger than anything in the country. How did, when you, you guys came into office, you're going, we're 83% short of what we're supposed to have. What are you doing? Well, great question. Well, one of the things that we are doing is we are actually doing something, which is a change from what's happened in the past. We're having a, a special session because we meet only at certain periods of the year. So we're calling a special session, which is going to happen in the next few weeks. And the sole purpose of that session is to deal with the pension crisis. Uh, so as we come out of that, we're actually going to have the fix in place. And part of fixing it is understanding how we got there. And there's a variety of reasons for how we ended up in this terrible pension situation. And all of it has to do with people following very unsound fiscal policies. Uh, we, we were not, and I say we, it wasn't me. I, I inherited the position right. we're in now. But the yeah. previous governor in the General Assembly at that time, which was controlled by Democrats, they were not funding the ARC payments, the actuarial required contributions. They weren't paying their bills. Right. And uh, when you don't pay your bills, then you keep digging yourself into a bigger and bigger hole. And last year is the first year since in almost a decade that we actually met the ARC payments. The last time you had a Republican governor? The la- yes, exactly. The <laughs> last time it was done, we had a Republican governor. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think, a very good example of what happens when you get people who take their fiscal responsibility seriously. They actually start making their payments. Uh, so that's a, a part of the problem. That's something that we're working on changing or, or making sure that's incorporated in the budget. We're, we're trimming all of our budgets in our agencies and, and tightening our belts, and that's allowing more money to be available for making those those kinds of payments. And, and some of this is also structure. When you have people who have big government mentalities, they set up pension systems that are structured along big government thinking. And, uh, and we had pension systems, we have pension systems currently where people can retire uh, when they've they've worked for 27 years, so you have people who are retiring who are in their 40s, yeah, um, and and things like that just don't really work in in the real world. You you can't become a someone who's completely dependent upon the government, and that's what happens when this kind of a structure is set in place. So you've got conservatives who are in there who are looking at what is a good system? This is not a good system. We need this to be sustainable for the future. And that's what we're doing. You know, it's fascinating when you mention people retiring at 40 or 50. You know, here's, you'll love this in California. My two daughters live in California. We lived in California prior to moving to the Midwest about 18, 19, 20 years ago. You can retire in California, get that pension and go back to work and get another salary, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard of. Okay. But you actually can do that in the state of California. And it's like, what's the definition of insanity? (laughs) You know, it just, it, it just absolutely doesn't make any sense. I have to ask you though, how much pushback are you getting from the state government, employees, unions, county, city, yada, 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 all the government unions, which are extremely strong and have for a long time 
controlled this conversation in a lot of places like Illinois and California. That's exactly right. Well, anytime you're going to do something that's a major change, you're going to have pushback. And uh, the people who are in office right now were all elected to make changes. So you've got people that have a backbone right now that want to make a difference. But you're you're right. There is pushback. Uh, there was a rally, I think, yesterday in Frankfurt. I think there's going to be a rally on Friday. Uh, and it's all people that are, that are, quote, union people, right. people that are in, in right. the system. So so something that I've been really trying to do through the last several months is do a lot of education efforts, just explaining to people that, you know, I understand you've been working really hard and you've been in an employee situation. So uh, I think it's important that we don't demonize people that, that have been working, Yeah, you know, that they, they've been doing their job. But at the same time, there's only only so much money available, and we want this to be sustainable for the future. Uh, somebody in our conference today made a great point that uh, when you're not using your dollars wisely and well, when you're having to put more into pensions than you should, then you have less for things that you're supposed to as a government, building roads, uh, you know, school books. Look at Illinois. Exactly. Illinois, it's a disaster. Illinois is an ex- a perfect, perfect example for this kind of situation. So I've been doing a lot of education efforts, just explaining to people, you know, got to be the grown up in the room. We're, we're in the real world. We have a certain amount of money and uh, and we need to figure out how can we make this work for the future. So I have to and I have to ask you, don't what always fascinates me is what part of this don't the union people get? You, 87 percent of money's not there. Do you want your people to get paid? Or to, or to you, or or and and do you want the money to be there to pay their pensions, yeah. or do you want them to take a, you know a huge haircut and 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 lose twenty thirty percent of their benefits down the road because we're in a complete financial crisis and there's no way in hell we're going to be able to pay what we're supposed to pay? It seems to me that the union people ought to be coming to you going. Thank God somebody's figured this out. We got a problem here. Well, and and it's it's surprising when you actually have real conversations with people. If you can talk to human beings <laughs> one on one. Uh, and, and that's why radio is so great because you've got a whole bunch of human beings who are yeah. listening in that moment. And about one and a half million on this broadcast. And hopefully yeah. somewhere in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, you, you find that when you do that, uh, like as I've been talking to people, if you say, if you could have 80% of your pension, you know, if you could have, if you could have all, most of what you thought you were going to get, but you get something as opposed to nothing, would you, can you work with that? And everybody's like, oh yeah, that actually, when you start to explain how serious the situation is. So people are open to change when you explain to them what is really going on. So it's an education process. It's absolutely an education process. And, and, and you feel, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, I, but I'm saying you feel that there are some people on the union side that are crossing the aisle to understand that you guys are taking the responsible approach that's going to preserve what their people have earned and what they deserve getting. People are starting to understand that. It's been taking uh, it's been taking months. <laughs> I can only it doesn't happen overnight. No, of a lot of talking, but um, you know, when when you treat people with respect and you explain to them what's really going on, uh, and they respond to you. And and that's really the key. It, 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 it's 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 refreshing for me to hear there's a dialogue because there's so much going on in this country that isn't a dialogue. Whether it's health care we're talking about or taxes we're talking about or whatever it is, we have we have a huge talking over each other problem in this country. So it's fascinating to hear um, and refreshing to hear that there's actually, you know, you're, you're making progress in getting through that. When we come back after the break, I'm going to ask Ron Crane to talk about how they didn't get there. 
okay? They're, they're completely the opposite in the state of Idaho um, in terms of um, how they did not get there and, and why their situation is so significantly different than the situation um, that Allison is faced with um, in Kentucky and where they see this going. So I'll be right back after the break with my guest here on America's Healthcare Advocate. You're listening coast to coast across the USA. If you have questions, 877-385-2224, 877-385-2224, or americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got health insurance issues, uh, we can help you with anything. If you're an employer, uh, whatever the case may be, please feel free to call, uh, leave a message, or go online, send us an email. We'll be right back after the break with more broadcasting at the State Financial Officers Foundation in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. My producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa, we are coming to you live uh, from beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, at the State Financial Officers Foundation Fall Meeting. Um, in studio with me, Derek Kreifels, President, State Financial Officers Foundation, Ron Crane, State Treasurer of the State of Idaho, National Chair, and Allison Ball, State Treasurer of the State of Kentucky, National Vice Chair, joining me in studio today. We're talking about all things financial that are impacting the states. A lot of this mirrors what's going on in the federal government, so I think it's fascinating to hear how they have tackled these issues, whether it's un- underfunded pension plans or health care, whatever the case may be. And, you know, think about how that conversation could take place in Washington, D.C. Um, if we could get them all on the same page or at least in the same book. So, Ron, let's let's go to the state of Idaho, okay? Rated, uh, uh, rated one of the top states in the country for livability now. Um, you, you know, uh, fiscally sound, um, great bond rating, all the rest of it. Um, you have um, you you have the totally opposite situation. <laughs> you're you're eighty five percent funded um, versus um, Allison being eighty three percent unfunded. So th- they took over a basket case um, from a, a previous administration, Democrat administration. You're you're in a completely different mode. How how did you prevent that from happening, and how did that conversation go because you're dealing with the same union she's dealing with uh, in terms of state workers, city workers, county workers, etc., firefighters, police, all the rest of it. How did, the, how did you guys manage that conversation not to be in that situation? We elected the Republicans. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> no, uh, I, would, I would say that in 1994, uh, we, we were elected a Republican governor for the first time in 24 years. And uh, the legislature was mostly Republican at that time, not not as strong as it is today. Today, it's 80 percent Republican. Uh, all of our congressional delegation is Republican. All of our constitutional officers are Republican. It, we're definitely a red state. Yes, you are. And we, and we run our finances in that manner. And so the same thing rolls over then into the pension program. The governor is the one that appoints the, the pension board members. Well, guess what? He appoints people that are fiscally responsible. Uh, and then they report to the legislature. And the legislature is actively involved in the management of the pension to, uh, oversight as, as far as oversight is concerned. So we did not allow that uh, unfunded liability to grow. We addressed it at, at the appropriate times and, and stayed on top of it as she referred to the ARC payments and so forth like that. We were able to take care of that, and they wouldn't allow the benefits to exceed 
what was coming into the pension program, in addition to the fact that we hired the former uh, manager of the Alaska Pension Fund as our executive director. And so he does a great job managing the fund. He's, he's uh, answers to the board. The board answers to the governor. So ha- having said that, and I get that, what is your relationship with your unions? Are, yeah, she's ha- they're, they're having, you know, I, I think back to what was going on in Wisconsin when Scott Walker, I mean, it was, it was chaos what they were trying to do to him. Uh, when he was trying to pass the simple right to work, you don't have to pay union dues yeah. that are automatically ducked out of your check without you having a say-so. By the way, it's fascinating. Um, after that was passed, 72% of the members that were paying dues stopped paying dues because they weren't being forced to pay them. So how did your... How does your relationship with your unions work in, in this environment where you've got a structurally sound program um, that, that is funded? Prior to serving as the state treasurer, I was in the legislature for 16 years. I came in in 1983, and uh, in, uh, when I first came in the legislature, if you went north of the Salmon River, which is what we consider the dividing line between the two time zones, where the mountain time zone and the Pacific time zone, if you went north of the Salmon River, you couldn't find a Republican legislator. They were all Democrats, and the unions were <coughs> extremely powerful because you had the timber industry, the mining industry, and the unions were strong in, the, in those industries. In 1986, Idaho passed the right-to-work law. The legislature passed it. The uh, unions challenged it, got it put on the ballot for a referendum, and the war was on. Mm-hmm. But the uh, right-to-work folks won. And that uh, really diminished the powers of the, the power of the unions, and we began to see the Republican majorities in both houses begin to grow. And ultimately, we captured captured the governor's chair in '94, and it's been Republican ever since. But, and you have a good relationship with your unions that represent your state yeah. and county and city yeah. workers. Those that are that are, those that are left understand they have to work with the Republican legislature, so they're going to get along. This is interesting because you know my hometown is Kansas City, and um, we are uh, we Governor Greeton's signed into law the right to work, and it is being challenged, and it will be on the ballot. And the unions are pumping millions into absolutely this thing because they absolutely. are they are desperate to stop this thing. As they are, it, it, it's certainly going to be an interesting discussion as we move forward. Okay, so Derek, let's talk about you know the role of these treasurers versus what we see in Congress because I, I love. The, uh, the adults in the room. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Allison's comment. Because that's, that's what I'm hearing here versus what I hear rolling out of, uh, uh, yeah. out of Washington. And not necessarily um, just on the Democrat side of the aisle. I, there, there, there are some folks on the Republican side of the aisle that could use a little growing up as well. Sure. So, so how do, how do, how, tell me how you see that, that, that contrast. Well, first, I, w- I want to say my legal counsel would be, would be down on me if I didn't mention right now that we are a 501c3 nonpartisan <laughs> organization. So as, as the enthusiasm as our, our national chair, Treasurer of Crane, uh, we, we do have, um, we have an independent member, uh, but we are mostly Republicans, but we, we really focus on the conservative philosophy. It's not about party politics, Democrat or Republican. We don't help with any elections um, or do any kind of endorsements or anything like that. We really are focusing on educating our financial officers, working with corporations around the country to do that. You'll a couple of years ago, we ran a national poll and we asked voters, who do you trust more on issues of, of fiscal matters in your state? And we gave them the option of state treasurer, your governor, or your member of Congress. 
And the members of Congress, obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, they, they scored usually less than 10% I would on think the poll. So. Um, the governors were floating around 20%. Uh, and, and the national, uh, the, the treasurers that were all scoring around 70% or just, just under 70%. So we realized quickly that, that these financial officers had a tremendous amount of authority. These are the, the men and women who are on the front lines of their state's financial well-being uh, in, in watching the cash management, seeing how cash flow works, managing the debt, um, looking at, at the underfunded liabilities of the pensions. Looking at health um, insurance costs. Looking at health insurance costs, you know, advocating for financial literacy. Uh, we have treasurers uh, from North Dakota to Mississippi who are doing phenomenal uh, work in educating kids by not adding another government program that the state has to pay for, but by working in, in public-private partnerships um, with various companies to educate kids um, on financial literacy. So uh, what we've, you know, we've been able to do, we were invited to the White House this year, uh, earlier in June. Uh, Treasurer Ball, Treasurer Crane, and myself and, and some others were able to go to Washington. Um, we were there in the House on the day that the House passed the Financial Choice Act, which was exciting. Um, we were able to go and speak about that uh, to several of our members. Um, we had the opportunity to meet with uh, Leader McConnell uh, in the Senate and, uh, and then had the opportunity to meet with some of our White House officials and, and really just appreciated the opportunity. And, and that's the thing that now SFOF uh, is, is kind of going to that next level where we, we've had Treasurer Crane in Washington to testify in front of uh, U.S. Senate Banking Sub, uh, uh, Finance Subcommittee. Committee. Uh, on on an issue uh, specific to the way that treasurers invest their short-term funds in money market funds. Uh, you know, when the SEC or, or one of the f federal regulatory agencies uh, change a rule that negatively impacts states or suddenly costs their state taxpayers significantly uh, more money, we want to be able to chime in on that and, and help members of Congress understand how those rules, many times with unintended consequences, are <laughs> really, really hurting the bottom line in their states. Um, you know, and now the other thing that we're really proud of is, is we're starting to see our members, you know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is professional development and training, helping them um, to, to learn how to communicate better, how to connect with their constituents and more. And give them tools. And give them tools. And now we've seen one of our, one of our, uh, our first member to kind of graduate to Congress, uh, Kansas Treasurer Ron Estes, uh, was oh, yes. elected in the yes. special election this yes, last year uh, and is now serving uh, in the 4th District of yep. Kansas. And so we're really proud of that. We're, I hope we're going to see that a lot more in the future. So we should look for Allison. I think Allison and Ron. Allison in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, and yeah. governors and attorney yeah. generals and, and so on. So so um, we have a lot of talented men and women, and we're really encouraging them to continue to lead in the way that we would love to see them lead. You know, it, it, it's encouraging, and, I, and, um, and uh, I, I think it's good for the audience to hear this. I think, you know, I don't care whether you're listening to me in Florida or Illinois, or if you are in California listening to us, or you're in Texas, wherever you may be, um, this is a message that you need to hear. Um, and if you're in a state where that you're in Illinois, you're in California, you know there are issues. Um, maybe you need to think about that the next time you go to the polls and vote because there are ways to do this that are responsible and there are ways to do that that are going to make a lot of sense. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting on the HIE radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the final segment with our guests here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thank you.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. My producer, the always perfect Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This segment, we're going to wrap it up here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, at the State Financial Officers Foundation Fall Meeting. If you want to contact us, you can call 877-385-2224. If you have questions about health insurance, we can help you with anything. Feel free to do that. We will get to you after the broadcast, or you can go online to americashealthcareadvocate.com. Send me an email. We will answer your questions or help you in any way we can. You can fill out a contact sheet up there, and we're happy to get back to you. Wherever you may be in the United States of America, we're happy to help you. All right. Joining me in studio, Derek Kreifels, President, State Financial Officers Foundation, Ron Crane, State Treasurer, State of Idaho, new national chair, Allison Ball, State Treasurer, State of Kentucky, national vice chair. So, Allison, let's this whole regulatory climate that we've been in for the last eight years, where we've literally choked businesses to death and and heaped more and more and more on states in terms of what they have to do, and et cetera, et cetera. How do you see that changing now that we have a different administration? Well, I actually think that uh, changing regulations is one of the biggest areas of victories for us right now, and it's something we need to be totally zeroed in on. Uh, when I was in law school, uh, they told us that, that administrative agencies are basically the fourth branch of government, and that's true, and it's actually very scary because it's an unelected branch. That's right. And they're making law all the time. So uh, in, in my state, our governor has started what he has called the red tape reduction. And uh, so he's been eliminating regulations that are harmful to business, that are arbitrary, that are just uh, unnecessary. And we're seeing that actually in the Trump administration as well. I know our governor uh, was in the White House a few days ago with some other governors uh, talking with Trump and and, uh, people at the White House about how all across this country we need to be pushing back against these regulations that are just harmful. Uh, And that's something that, that we as conservatives at the State Financial Officers Foundation have been doing on our own as well. So this is happening in our states. It's happening in this organization. It's something that conservatives need to be focused on uh, with a laser-like focus. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, um, Ron, it's, it, it, and Derek, th- this is interesting. When I look at the markets right now, where the markets are um, and how the markets are just literally, my, my daughter, uh, our oldest daughter, uh, works at Morgan Stanley uh, and is a, you know, a, f- a certified financial planner, et cetera. And, I, and it, it's fascinating to me to look at the markets and see how the market's exploding. you got and so, well, why is that? Because we didn't pass health care reform. You know, this whole tax reform issue is going to take some time to get done. What's the thing that the markets are seeing that we're not hearing about in the media? We're not hearing about uh, the average person doesn't understand. And I, I have to believe that a lot of that has to be the we're cutting these regulations. It all started at the presidential election last Correct. November. Yes. I mean, how many executive orders have been signed that have gotten rid of so much of this stuff that was choking uh, business and states where you're heaping this stuff on the states and making them do things that they don't necessarily want to do that are costing their taxpayers millions and millions of dollars? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? It's it's an interesting uh, situation because, you know, for so long, um, many of our financial corporate partners um, that are based in Chicago or Wall Street um, or around the country, you know, they pretty much just put their, uh, the government affairs shops just kind of put their agendas on the shelf and decided there's not a lot we can do right now. Because nobody's going to listen. And nobody's going to listen to us. And, um, and quite frankly, on the eve of the election, prior to, you know, 10 o'clock Eastern time, we, uh, Big surprise. A, lot of, uh, a lot of those companies were not planning on much of a change. 
And so uh, it was interesting. Treasure Crane and I had the opportunity to travel uh, to New York City to meet with uh, many of our, our corporate partners and, and other companies. And the spirit and the, the excitement and the enthusiasm for uh, the optimism, you couldn't help but just feel excited when you'd meet with these different executives. And that's why Wall Street's doing well. That's why the stock markets are doing well is because there's this optimistic approach to the way that people are doing business. They now know that they have a government who's willing to leave them the heck alone and stop just smothering them. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it's fascinating. I heard one of your one of your folks on the panel today wrong say that um, he was quoting Paul Krugman, the uh, financial uh, opinion writer for the New York Times, a paper that I unfortunately have to read. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's difficult at times, but nonetheless, you know, Krugman, the new normal, one point nine percent growth is the new normal. Yeah. Well, guess what? Last quarter we hit three point one. The first time we've seen three point one percent growth in this country in. Five years, six yep. years, whatever yep. it is, okay, um, and it it it's not doesn't have to be the new normal. Um, you go back and look at Ronald Reagan, and uh, I, I did an interesting uh, column on this and, and, and posted it on my Facebook page. I compared GDP under Reagan to GDP under um, uh, President Obama, and I said let's compare because. You know, we like to diminish people in this country. We're really good at that. Let's compare the community organizer to the B, the, the B movie actor, okay? And let's see who did better, okay? Well, GDP under Ronald Reagan, in some cases, it was as high as 11%, okay? In all cases, was 4 to 5, 6, 7, 8% for every quarter he was in office, all right? And it continued to grow. So he, he unleashed the genius of the American, American system. Thank you. The free market yep. was allowed to work the way it was designed to work. The states are the laboratories of democracy. And if we will leave, if Washington will leave us alone, we'll be fine. We can manage our, our affairs very well. And they every time they, they put their fingers in there and, and meddle, they, they, they muddle the, 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 the puddle and... Uh, Cost us a lot of money and a lot of yeah they do it's, that's interesting also if they'll just leave you alone yeah government's not the solution government's the problem yeah, yeah. you know yeah. President Reagan was the one that said when you can't make them see the light make them feel the heat and <laughs> and uh, and you know that's what that's what we're trying to do you know in in terms of all of this reform is just you know look a lot of a lot of the folks um, in the progressive movement just continue to fundamentally believe that government is the answer oh, yeah. for everything. And and that's the fundamental. If you can't get through that. Which is fascinating because if it, so, so Obamacare fails and it has failed miserably. Now the answer is throw more money at it and go to single payer. Right. Yes. I, it's the only time. Yeah, I, I'm, I, get, I get completely frustrated with this discussion because if it d didn't work that time, why is it going to work this time when you give it more money and more power? I right. loved your line today that you used about the, uh, the heart of the IRS and the efficiency of the post office. Single payer system to be administered with the efficiency of the post office and the compassion of the IRS. <laughs> yeah, that's and great. trust me, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, uh, that is uh, uh, much closer to the truth than anything you may know. Um, so, well, thank you all very much for doing this today. You know, um, I think it's important for us to use this broadcast from time to time just to let people hear what's going on around the country. And I, in your case, um, I think it's encouraging people to see there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not an oncoming train. Absolutely. So uh, I greatly you so appreciate your taking the time. Thank we, you all very much. We enjoyed it immensely. It's great to be on here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate. Remember, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. 
Join us again next week for another edition of America's Healthcare Advocate, or you can go online to americashealthcareadvocate.com and listen to our podcast. Goodbye, America. Goodbye, America.